0: Thank you, Josiah, for sharing that. Log into my computer here. I don't know if you can see these, but these are tear stains on my shul- on my sleeve. I- didn't even- did-, did that pull down any tears in anyone else's eyes. Amen, amen. I've been redeemed. I'm blessed to share this morning. I'm going to take my mask off here in a second. Um, <clears throat> uh, I know. I know that someone here needs to hear this message. Uh, this last week, I've experienced some spiritual warfare in my life that I haven't experienced before a sermon in a really long time. So I know someone needs to hear today's message. And, uh, and it's by a miracle of God's grace that I'm here because I've been so sick in the last week, not COVID. Praise the Lord. Um, and, uh, but I've been so sick in the last week that I didn't think I was actually gonna make it here in person, and I thought I'd have to back out or do something different. But it's a blessing to be here and to worship with you again. Um, it's been a few years since I've graduated from seminary. And, um, yeah. So, as I, begin, as I get started here, I want to do an invitation. Number one, we're gonna have a moment of silence for prayer. I'd like for you to pray First, if you could pray for me, that my voice will hold out, Uh, because I didn't think I was going to have a voice yesterday. Um, That's the first thing. So I invite you to please pray for me um, in a moment of silence. Secondly, pray for your neighbor sitting next to you, to your left, to the right, in front, behind. Uh, Pray for them that the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts in a very special way. Number three, uh, pray for yourself, that God would speak to you as you need, because I believe Uh, wholeheartedly that someone here needs to hear this message this morning. I'm going to pause for a moment of silence and then pray. Father in heaven, that message Redeemed, just resonated deeply within all of our hearts. Praise God, I'm redeemed. And Lord, you've heard us pray in the moment of silence for each other. And I want to affirm that by claiming that your Holy Spirit would do his work of ministry into our hearts at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So pastoring in the 21st century, porn, sex, science, and grace, um, this is a, a, an important topic for many reasons, and I'll get into a lot of those, of course, through the message. But it's important, uh, especially for me, because it's also tied with my story, and you'll hear part of that as we go as well. But who am I? Yes, I graduated from seminary in 2017. Uh, I work for ASAP Ministries as the Refugee Ministry Coordinator. So I work with a lot of refugees and displaced persons, and I absolutely love that. Uh, I'm doing a Doctor of Missiology uh, here as well with a focus on mission with displaced uh, persons, refugees, and migrants. And I'm also... uh, but, but those two don't necessarily define me in every way. Who I am, though, is I am a child of God who has battled a years-long addiction with porn. And praise God, I'm redeemed, and I'm set free. And that story, there may be some here who are still fighting that battle and being like, I don't have that story yet. I want to have that. And my story is for you this morning. And so, you know, nothing grabs uh, the attention of an audience better than using the words porn or sex, right? Um, and, uh, and so there's so much uh, that can grab our attention because there's so much mystery. There's so much shame, dysfunction, even pain that surrounds these two words. And so what about it? You know, and pastoring in the 21st century comes with a whole host of challenges, and I'll list a few here, divisive, divisive political extremism to pandemics, uh, secularization to suffering, loss of life to leadership failures. Uh, we have the first post-Christian generation in North America uh, to pluralism, and these are challenges that affect how the Adventist message is proclaimed. Um, but also, in addition to all of that, is the area shrouded in silence of pornography and sexuality. This plagues our society, and as many uh, leading scholars are now calling it and raising the trumpet, saying that this is the world's greatest pandemic. It's the greatest pandemic to affect our society because it touches literally every part of our community and our identity as human beings. So the nature of, of silence in the church communicates that this topic is taboo. Shh, don't talk about it. It's taboo, it's shameful, shouldn't be talked about, and especially from the pastor in the pulpit. we got little kids we got to watch out for, right? But if we don't talk about it, then whose voice is going to be heard? God gave the church, God gave his people in Scripture, the beautiful gift of sexuality in humanity and in creation and if we as a church cannot have a voice on that from the pulpit and in every other area then we've abdicated that place to another voice that speaks much louder and I think we all know what voice that is and is that voice providing a biblically sound uh, informed voice to our young people it's not it's not so and talking and looking at this, several things, uh, is this working? Great. Um, some key points to keep in mind. Porn is not just a man's problem, it's a human problem. It's men and women both deal with this issue. It's not just a man's problem, it's a human problem, number one. Number two, it's not just behavior, it's a symptomatic behavior. Porn is never really the issue. Porn is the symptom of a deeper issue that needs to be addressed in a person's life. Because pornography is, yeah, it's not just an addiction. It's an intimacy and attachment disorder. It's also called a process addiction. Uh, These are the things that are coupled with it. Porn's not really the issue. The issue is underneath it. It's the symptomatic behavior of something deeper going on. Porn is also a pacifier used to medicate pain and brokenness in a person's life. And uh, you know, pacifiers are for kids. When, I remember some years ago um, when I started seeing high school students walking around with pacifiers. I don't know if maybe you saw that trend some years ago. I was just blown away. I'm like, what? Like teenagers with pacifiers? Like I thought they outgrew that. It was just a fad. It was just a fad, and it, and it went away. But um, but that's what porn is. Porn is a pacifier by which we use to pacify or medicate our brokenness, our pain, the dysfunction in our lives. So today's chapel talk is one very important goal. God's, and it is this, God's grace is sufficient to not only forgive, but bring transformation where porn or sexual brokenness has hurt your life. That's the main point. And so I'll be sharing my story as well. Before we go any further, I want us to really hone in on this principle. I got this from Pastor Keith Jenkins at a recent um, uh, seminar on uh, pornography and, and addiction recovery. And uh, so this is not, I didn't create this, but he pointed out that grace plus truth plus time equals change and transformation. And this is so important because the first thing that anybody needs is grace, right? Right? And I remember I went to a pastor and I was like, pastor, I'm really struggling with this. It was the first time I'd ever reached out to talking to a pastor. And he looked at me, and he's like, you know, son, just read your Bible and pray more. It'll go away. And I was like, I've been doing that for 15 years already. Like, that hasn't worked yet. Is there something else? Um, and, and, and what I needed is Grace. I needed grace rather than just to, you know, go read your Bible and pray more and it'll go away. I needed grace to be embraced and accepted in my brokenness. And that's what we all need. We need that first place of grace. And this really comes from John 1.14, that of course the fullness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. And Jesus, he brings grace, he brings truth, He's not a little bit of grace or a little bit of truth or 50% grace or 50% truth, but he's full of grace and full of truth all the time. And Jesus brings that grace and that truth. Like the woman caught in adultery. Here's grace, go and sin no more. And the truth, go and sin no more, you've been set free. Grace and truth need to come together. And so grace and truth need to be coupled with time. A pornography addiction It takes the average person two to five years to find recovery. Two to five years. It's not just a one and done deal or I go to a couple sessions and I'm done. It's a two to five year journey of hand to hand combat with the enemy. Where you're working with a team of, of support of men or women who are fighting with you every step of the way. It is a team combat and it takes time. But because it takes time, grace and truth becomes deeply infused, and change and transformation is long lasting. And um, you know, it's uh, you know the truth is also <clears throat> that maybe some of us are addicted to porn or masturbation. Maybe it's sleeping around, as I've had some seminary students admit to me. Um, for others of us, maybe it's food. Maybe it's pain meds or alcohol or or various other forms of drugs. Um, Some of it may be gambling or gaming, uh, whether it's video games, board games, whatever it may be. Uh, Maybe it's codependent rescuing of others um, or keeping an image in order to protect myself so nobody really gets too close. I have an image that I project to protect. Maybe it's uh, anorexia, bulimia, being out of control and spending, love addiction. There's a lot of different compulsives compulsive uh, behaviors that can uh, impact our lives. And I think, like, I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but Romans 7, 21 to 25 says it so well, where Paul, of course, says, like, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't do is what I do. And I think for anyone who's struggled with the compulsive behavior of any of these, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. The things I don't want to do, I just keep going back to. What's going on? And then Paul gets in a little bit later, Romans 12, 1 and 2, but be transformed, renew your mind. You see, Paul understood in a vital biblical principle that when dealing with these behaviors, we've got to transform the brain. It's not just an addiction issue. It's not just a behavior issue. It's a brain issue. And I'll point this out here in just a second. So porn, unwanted sexual behaviors, and sex addiction are pervasive in our church today. I'll share some stats here in a second. Um, But only 7% of churches have a healing ministry. 7% of Christian churches in the U.S. or North America have a healing ministry for people dealing with unwanted sexual behavior or compulsive sexual behavior. With this as prevalent as it is, why don't we have more healing ministries? But instead, what do we have? When we look in the church manual, the church manual says that pornography is, an, is a behavioral issue that should be disciplined by censorship or disfellowship. So what does that perpetuate? That perpetuates silence rather than coming out and finding healing and grace and truth and transformation. And we can't, we can't allow that to happen if we're actually gonna help men, women, teenagers, children find healing. We need God's help. So, how extensive is the porn problem? Well, the World Health Organization 2018 included in their big diagnostic book, ICD-11, and they recognized that compulsive sexual behavior is a, now a disorder. That includes porn and sex, sex addiction as well. So, the World Health, or, World Health Organization has now come out with that officially. Research, though, has been pointing to this fact for a number of years. Covenant Eyes and Josh McDowell discovered in their research, I believe it's titled The Porn Phenomena, um, that nearly 70% of men in the church, 30% of women, and 57% of pastors admit to porn use. That's a lot of people in the church. That is very extensive. So by that measure, I would say that between 6 and 7 in 10 men in this room right now are dealing with this issue I would even go so far as to say that the seminary should make it required for every person coming here to go through a program on porn and sexual integrity healing. Jay Stringer in his book, Unwanted, says this, porn is violence against women, full stop. Porn is violence against women. It is male violence against women. And you know, he goes on to say, and the sex industry allows us to choose the level of degradation we can tolerate. Consider this, 88.2% of top-rated porn scenes contain aggressive acts of violence. 70% of occurrences the man is the perpetrator, and 94% of the time it's the woman being hit, being acted against with violence. Only 9.9% of top-selling porn scenes analyzed contain kissing, laughing, caressing, or verbal compliments. You can see, uh, one more here, um, open-handed slapping occurs 41% of sex scenes, and, and sex depicted in porn movies generally focuses on men's sexual pleasure and orgasm than women's. The porn industry is geared towards men predominantly, but it catches women in the net as well. And so all of this, as Jay Stringer's unpacking his book, Unwanted, is pointing to the fact that porn is designed to infuse unhealthy narratives about human sexuality. And especially with the rise of violence within pornography, it's connecting, especially with young people today, that for me to experience sexual pleasure, I need to be violent with the the partner that I'm with. Violent, that's the message that's being communicated. And that, is not biblical. Women are too often the um, those who receive such violence. And abuse, of course, and rape goes up. So some other statistics here. Um, porn and human trafficking are directly linked to each other. Estimates range that greater than 50% of porn is made from men and women who've been trafficked by force, fraud, or coercion. So when you're on there, when you're on the website, I shouldn't be here.com. Good. You got that. When you're on the website, I shouldn't be here.com. You cannot tell whether that has been consensual or if it's being, or if it's a person being trafficked by force, fraud, or coercion. Porn fuels the demand uh, for human trafficking. And, um, And one in five sex traffic victims, so 21%, are children. And the average age of children being trafficked is 12.8 years old. And being uh, sold either in person or materials online. Child pornography is one of the fastest growing realms of pornography today. And I know of several avanist teachers who have been caught with this in recent years. In the Seventh day Adventist Church, child pornography, grooming their kids. We need to deal with this issue in our church. We can't just keep sweeping it under the rug. Melissa Farley says this porn is pictures of prostitution. And so in the church, it's so easy to cloak our issues with porn or other sexually acting out behaviors and just call it, I'm just a struggle. You know, it's just a struggle for me. You know, I only do it once a month or you know, maybe a couple times a year, it's just a struggle. But a struggle, that's just a way of minimizing what really is going on. It's not actually dealing with the issue. Um, When thinking about addiction, addiction is not so much about what is being done, but as more about dependence and disturbance. Are you dependent on it? And is it disturbing you or your relationships? So this is a pretty complicated definition of porn addiction. I'm not going to get into all of it, but I'm going to point out just a couple quick things. Addiction is primarily a chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. Addiction is characterized by the inability to consistently abstain, impairment in behavioral control, uh, craving, diminished recognition of significant problems with one's behavior, interpersonal relationships, and dysfunctional emotional responses, the list goes on. So, porn addiction, will take you farther than you wanna go and make you pay more than you wanna pay. And as you think about this in your own life, answer these three questions. How long has this been a problem in your life? How many times have you tried to stop but you've not been successful? Number three, is it causing pain to you or people you love significant amounts of pain? Is it causing pain to you or others? around you that you love. If you answer yes to those, you need help. And if you want a clinical evaluation, take a picture of this, go to the website, you can can use the clinical evaluation tool and you can assess where you're at and what's going on. This has been helpful. And so when thinking about this porn addiction, we often say, well, you just gotta get over the porn addiction. It's not just a spiritual issue, porn addiction is a physical problem with the brain. Addiction is a problem with the brain. It's a disordered, dysregulated brain issue. And so uh, some 39, according to the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, they point out that 39 neurological studies along with more than 280 internet addiction brain studies shows that porn creates addiction-related brain changes. Some of these changes are akin to cocaine. Cocaine use. And so they can look at a cocaine addict's brain and a porn addict's brain and overlay them, and the damage to the brain is almost the same. So do you tell a cocaine addict, just read your Bible and pray more and God will heal you? Not at all. We say, hey, let's get you to a treatment center and get you detoxed, so we can help your brain really start functioning correctly. It's the same thing with porn addiction. It's the same thing with sexually compulsive behavior and a porn addiction. You've got to treat the brain as well as the spiritual issues. It's, 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 it's got to be treated holistically. It's a both and. And so like um, the spiritual principle uh, shared earlier, James 1.15, and when lust conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin when it is finished, brings forth death. One of the key things with this is that is that porn addiction may start as a seed when you're a kid. I was 10 years old when I was introduced to pornography and masturbation. Prior to that, around age six, something happened in my life. I can't pinpoint it yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't pointed that out to me yet. But something happened in my life that created some emotional disturbances. And, uh, and, and something was not right. Uh, and that fueled or triggered the development of fantasy and lust in my life. But it wasn't until porn, masturbation got introduced at age 10 that that began to take root in my life. But that was just a seed. But but that seed, as James points out, brings forth sin and that sin brings forth death if we don't address it. And so pornography and sexually compulsive behaviors do the same thing. So I don't want us to suffer in silence anymore. There is grace for you, and I'm going to unpack that in these next uh, few minutes here together. There's something called the noose of addiction. Porn and sexual addiction follows something of what's called like a noose. Now, how many of you know that when you fight against a noose, it only gets tighter, right? The more you fight against it, the tighter it gets. If you don't like it, you can use a slipknot or something something else, uh, a cyclone if you don't like the word noose. But I appreciate this illustration because like a noose, the only way you can break that is you've gotta cut that rope. You've gotta cut that rope with everything you've got in order to break it and to get free. And so, there's a noose for sexual addiction. Um, I could spend an hour or more unpacking all of this, but you've got the addictive root, family dysfunction, trauma, and addictive society. And so my story started here. Family dysfunction. There is dysfunction in my family. My dad had previous addiction issues and brought that into the marriage. Um, and there was a lot of conflict in the home uh, that created the personal trauma issues. If you've had uh, Dr. Sedlachek's class, you'll learn about the seven love needs of kids and how when those aren't met, it creates these issues of trauma. And so there, were, there was personal trauma issues going on in my life. And then the Addictive Society, uh, society. my best friend from church on a Sabbath afternoon after church loaded up AOL, maybe some of you can remember that login, in 1996, I'll never forget the afternoon, and loads it up and introduces it to me. So an Addictive Society, he was introduced by his cousin when he was eight years old, even younger, and, and was... Um, abused as such. And so sexual, so pornography being introduced to kids is sexual abuse. It is sexual abuse. And um, because the kid's not supposed to be exposed to that kind of violence or objectification of other people. Oh, time's flying. So yeah, so you have the addictive root. The addictive route takes place. You've gotta address the addictive route. And then you've got to address the addictive mindset. From the root at age 10, as I began dealing with sexually compulsive behaviors, the addictive mindset really uh, took root in my life. The, unworthable, uh, the worthlessness, unlovableness, I felt alone and isolated in my family. Uh, I wrestled with dep- issues of depression. Um, the chemical high medicated the pain I was feeling, and I didn't have a safe place to talk about it or to deal with it. So you have the addictive mindset that needs to be addressed. What is it that I'm thinking and how am I thinking? It's so important. And then you have the addictive lifestyle. Through much of, so I was an addict about 19 years. 19 years, from age 10, with a short time period of freedom in between a couple of years. Um, but 19 years, I was an addict. And, and it comes with a lifestyle, a fantasy, ritual, keeping the lid on, And furthering the shame and the guilt. There's always a pattern to acting out. It never just comes up out of the blue. There's always a pattern. And and, and for those who are going through recovery, take the time to understand what are those patterns. And you're able to spot them. And then able to, by the grace of God, break those patterns. But it takes time. It's an addictive lifestyle. It's one that is sets up again and again and again. Even if a person's only acting out once a year in a binge purge cycle, there's a a pattern to it. There's a pattern to it. You've gotta recognize the pattern and address the pattern, the addictive lifestyle that's feeding it, the addictive mindset, the worthlessness, the unlovableness, whatever those negative thoughts may be in the head that are driving a low sense of value that are contrary to who we are in Christ, being redeemed. Then you have the addictive cloak, denial. If we don't break denial, there's no way we can actually find healing. Just to kind of cut up, uh, jump up a few slides, we've got to break the denial, the delusion, the blaming of others, the rationalization, or the minimizing, saying it's just a struggle once a month or a couple times a year. You've got to break that addictive cloak and cut that noose. Now the beautiful thing is that, since we are wounded in community, we find healing in community. And the power of God is available to you as you address these areas of life with a community of safe people. And that's one of the most important things that I I seek to do. So, if you wanna learn more, come to the colloquium on Friday. It'll be here at 235. Um, but as I bring this time of sharing to a close our time is going really fast my appeal is simple if the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart respond by taking a picture and joining a group that's simple, my simple appeal I guess Satan doesn't want you to have that anyways We'll get that out to you through somehow. Take a picture of it quick before it disappears. Um, my appeal is simple. Take a picture of this. Join a group. Get some help. If you're, if you're online, join the virtual group. Um, my, my brother in Christ, Jaime, who also graduated from the seminary a couple years ago, he's leading a virtual group for anyone online. You can join his group virtually by Zoom, and he'll lead you through a recovery group. Uh, For women, I am really sorry. I've been looking and asking for three years to find a woman willing to lead a group to help women find healing. I have not yet been able to find one. My wife is leading a group for betrayed spouses for women who've been betrayed um, by sex or porn addiction or sexual infidelity. So that's simply a few things there. My time is up. And I also want to leave you with some resources. What's in the bold are some of my favorite resources that I like to refer. You can check those out as well. I will send out the group information through email, through Dr. Sedlicek and uh, for you as well. And then on Friday, we'll talk more. I'll share more of my story on Friday as well. I feel bad that our time was cut short, but let's pray together, because I know all of you need to run to class. Lord Jesus, Thank you for this time we've been able to come together. Lord, our time of sharing here has been so short. But God, it's not by chance that you have ordained this moment. I believe that there are men and women here who, like the song said, Lord, they're stuck in their chains. And Jesus, you want to set them free. God, remind them that they are redeemed. You've fought the battle And now the tools and the resources, the community is there. Lead them to healing as well. God, I pray that this will not be the end of this conversation, but that each of us, wherever we serve in the world, can be change agents to help our our leaders, our church members, find healing from sexual brokenness, that they too may experience your redemption in a new way. Thank you, God, for being present at this time. Amen.